This is Cam Slater, and you're listening to Dirty Politics. Welcome to this podcast. Tonight, Simon Lusk and I are going to discuss the dreadful poll results uh, that ACT is suffering at the moment. We've just had two polls, one from News Hub, one from One News, and in both of those, the ACT party scores under 1% and the presenters don't even list their name or even mention them. Welcome, Simon. What have you got to say about that? Well, I think that that's pretty consistent with what our good mate David Farrer from Courier uh, Polling uh, says, and we use Courier and we recommend everyone else uses Courier because David's always on the money, and I don't think he's mentioned ACT to me in several years. What about you, Cam? No, I can't remember anybody mentioning ACT. It seems that... Uh, the ACT Party is existing solely on the basis of past uh, victories and the work of people who are no longer involved with the party. Yeah, so I guess we asked the question, can ACT rebuild? Um, and that's a pretty big ask. What do you think? Well, they've had a couple of goes at it since Rodney Hyde exited it, and um, uh, they tried uh, with Jamie White uh, when they chose him instead of John Boscowan, and we can talk about that a little bit later on. Um, that failed spectacularly. Um, they also then tried um, the Don Brash experiment. Uh, that should have energised their vote, but that failed too. And now we've got a millennial running the party whose greatest claim to fame is putting out press releases insulting Winston Peters. Yeah, yeah. So, so if we look at the kind of people that you need to rebuild a party, uh, it doesn't appear that ACT have a particularly strong list. Um, They have a whole lot of young people who are well-intentioned but probably not all that credible. Um, Only Beth Holbrook has come through local government and has a profile in an area. Um, And it it just seems pretty hard to get decent people to run. Um, I, when ACT did a review, I had a, a, a little bit of input informally to it, and I said, well, I didn't think that ACT would ever be able to recover because it's going to be too hard to get good people to run. And the reason for that is is it was just after John Boscowan, who is a really good guy and a good, hard-working ACT bloke, um, had finished up being Minister of Consumer Affairs. And you, you don't dream of going into Parliament to be the Minister of Consumer Affairs like John Boscowan. Um, There's only one job worse, and that's Minister of Statistics. Yeah, and, you know, you, you really want to go in and, and, and have one of the really big portfolios or a chance at it and a chance at being Prime Minister. So the, the ambitious ACT people are no longer going to the ACT party. They, they seem to have got into national. Um, I don't think there's any genuine ACT people left in, in Labour, although ACT did come out of the right wing of the Labour Party. Um, and that's their big problem is they, they just don't have people who want to be in a minor party that struggles. They, they Those people want to go and run for a big party and, and have a long career. But I should be a natural ACT voter. Uh, I'm socially liberal but fiscally conservative. Uh, people would say I have right-wing views. I don't necessarily view ACT as right-wing. But having been involved in politics for probably 40 years, 
I always considered that the people involved in ACT, especially at, at the volunteer level or in the organisation level rather than the MPs themselves, and there's been some pretty fine MPs uh, that were there. You know, John Boscowens, uh, one that springs to mind, Owen Jennings is another, uh, and, uh, of course, Rodney Hyde. There were some really, really good, credible MPs there, but I always felt that they were let down by the party organisation, and that these guys loved the game of politics, but uh, they didn't realise that they were paying, playing chess, and I think they thought they were playing Chinese checkers. And I don't know if you've ever come across any real hardcore act activists, but the level of discussion with them, Simon, was um, amateurish. Yeah, and, and disappointing too. They didn't seem to understand that to effect change, you had to start winning things. And they were so ideologically pure that they weren't willing to acknowledge the, um, that you had to win to have influence. Um, there, there were a couple of guys in the back room that I have a huge amount of respect for. And, and Brian Nicole is a very, very savvy political operator who probably should have been asked to take on a bit more responsibility and get people going in the right direction. Um, Brian is is really high mm. quality and one of the best on the right. Um, and then the other one was John Boscowen, who was very, very good in the back room and is someone I have a huge amount of respect for um, as a backroom operator and you know just a thoroughly good man who who did what he believed in and spent a lot of his own money doing it. Yeah, and and guys like him would probably feel real disappointed with where the ACT Party is now, including the the financiers who have literally poured millions of dollars into what could could really only be described now as a failed project. Their highest point came Ironically, when National was at their lowest point in 2002, the ACT Party scored uh, 7.14% of the vote in 2002. Of course, Bill English tanked National in that election, uh, but National realised the error of their ways and uh, and came back under Don Brash in 2005, almost got there and, and suffocated ACT in the process. And it's my understanding that that was actually a plan within National to suffocate ACT, and, and it basically worked. A very smart move. You see that Labor has made the dumb decision to to work with the Greens instead of trying to steal all their votes, um, and that hasn't gone well for them. Um, I got into some very bitter arguments with ACT people in 2004 who thought that National should be leaving them space. And I said, well, why? What's, you know, you're, you're head-to-head in an election. You've got to win as many votes as possible. Um, and it is very, very hard to manipulate voters. You, you know, you can't say, oh, we'll help ACT get 5%. I mean, from a practical perspective, it would be near impossible to put a strategy together that says, oh, we'll leave this 5% for ACT and let's try and get 5% off Labor. You just can't, from a campaign manager's perspective, try and do that. Well, you have to have a valid message, one that's worth listening to. And as I said, I should be a natural ACT voter. I've never voted ACT in my life. And the reason for that is that I just couldn't bring myself to do it because there was just so many mixed messages in their their policies. If they had just 
stuck with, say, five core things. And this is the thing that minor parties make a mistake of doing. It's it's one that Greens will make this mistake as well. They will start trying to appeal to everybody in order to grow their vote when the, the reality is, is they're a niche party that's probably worth 5 to 7%. I'm talking about ACT now rather than the Greens. I think the Greens are always worth around 10 because there's, there's just a core constituency around that. As soon as they're trying to start getting bigger and get into those other areas, then they start having to make compromises. And the one thing about small party activists and small party MPs is compromises definitely not in their vocabulary. Yeah, and that that was what I discovered with a whole lot of the ACT people that I was talking to. They just couldn't understand that you had to find compromises to do deals to get stuff done. It had to be um, ideologically pure or they weren't interested, and that was just naive. Um, you know, I, I'm quite happy working across the spectrum and have a huge amount of respect for some, some long-established and very competent Labor people who I've worked with. I don't agree with them ideologically, but they're a pleasure to work with. Um, ACT, you can't say the same thing about. No, and they've got no clout either because from that high point in 2002, they then slipped to 1.51% in 2005. They crept back up, doubled that essentially uh, for 2008. But since then, they've just ebbed away and they're they're actually don't – they're not even – uh, recordings, you know, anything above zero at the moment. So they can safely be ignored. I think that National faces a dilemma now because they're sitting at 47-ish in the polls. Um, they're likely to slide back maybe 2 3 4%. And at that level, even at 45% in the polls, ACT is now irrelevant and there's no actual point in saving Epsom to give them an extra vote anymore because National will be solely reliant on a, on a bigger part Party that's not ACT to get across the line. Yeah, and I think that the other thing that, that ACT have really demonstrated, and it was reinforced by Kim.com and Colin Craig, is that vast amounts of money don't actually really matter in politics. If you have money, you've got to use it the right way. Well, and, so Gareth Morgan's making the same mistake, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and that that's act um, would have been far better off using what I believe the um, the Maxim Institute has done, which is colonising the main parties rather than um, than trying to build a new party from scratch. Well, I seem to remember having a discussion with someone from Maxim years ago telling them the exact same thing. That's what they need to do. This is what I said to the Libertarians um, as well when they uh, sought some advice from me and I said, shut down your party and go and infiltrate um, other parties and get your Libertarian ideas in, in that way because you're too ideologically ideological, you're too pure and and you'll never be relevant. And that's the thing with ACT is that they are too ideological, they are too pure. They'll have esoteric arguments about um, the liberal idea of X, Y or Z and they, everyone's ears just close. They don't ha- seem to me to have a trigger point message that will activate people to vote for them. And they're easily sidelined with simple tags like uh, far right and things like that when it's clear they're not. They're, they're mostly a bunch of wombles, to be fair. Yeah, and, and you know, they, they get trapped like Jamie White was when he was asked about incest. I mean, the answer to that is, well, of course I don't support incest, rather than the, um, his his libertarian view, which was consenting adults should be allowed to do what they want. But the, the public didn't hear the... Um, 
his rationale. They just heard that he favoured incest and that basically killed him off and act off at the last election. Yeah, and politics is not about intellectual arguments. It's a, a failing that professional uh, political people uh, that mostly usually staff the left wing um, have lost their way because they, they like to have these intellectual arguments. Politics is actually quite brutal and quite simple, and there's five key things that people look for. And and that's what ACT, if they are going to rebuild, they need to focus on. The problem that I believe that they've got is I don't believe that their current candidate list or indeed their leader or anyone that's on that list has the capability of getting that cut through with a sim- simple message. You know, When they had David Garrett there and Rodney Hyde, it was really simple, low taxes, law and order, bash the crims, uh, bash bludgers, and people voted for that. And, and before that, when when they had Richard Preble as leader, he had wonderful cut through, um, and you know his he he alone was able to create or win lots of votes because he had that fantastic cut through. Yeah, so I mean, they need to stop making stupid decisions. Um, but I don't think they've got it in them anymore. I just don't think they've got the wise old heads around them anymore. You know, they used to have, you know, people like, um, uh, you know, Preble and and Roger Douglas as the grandfather of the of the party. And I don't even think he's involved anymore. And um, Michael Bassett, who's probably got one of the best political brains in New Zealand. If not the best, I, I certainly haven't met anyone who has a superior um, political brain and especially political historian. And, you know, they, those guys are um, haven't been replaced with intellects or personalities that are as, as wonderful as theirs, uh, but they also haven't replaced their backroom with, with similarly stellar um, people. Um, you know, the, John Boscowen was a fantastic Backroom operator for ACT for years, and he is you know, he, he, no longer the the force that he used to be because ACT decided to sideline him in favour of um, of Jamie White. Well, you know, in 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 some respects, that's true with the backroom because if I look at the 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 brash coup against Rodney Hyde, the the reason that Don Brash was able to succeed was that Rodney Hyde had staffed his office with capable people but not political people. And those people were easily able to be faked out with um, with pressure. And they they caved under pressure. And once that support went from Rodney Hyde, um, then he, he ebbed away with it as well and couldn't be bothered. And, you know, it was actually, from my observation, relatively straightforward to to actually do that with some concerted pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, probably a, a story for another podcast after the election. But getting back to the point about whether ACT can rebuild, um, I mean, do, do you see any hope for ACT if National goes into opposition? As and you know, can they get to the sort of seven percent they got in two thousand and two? No, I don't believe they can. And I'll give you, I'll tell you one example of that is they've had previous ACT candidates like. Uh, like Fallon Perry, for example, who who's a a, a um, board member with Beth Holbrook. This is a guy who was a candidate for ACT, and he's out west there promoting subsidised rail services. He wants a special tax or special rate to pay for a rail service that uh, 
that no one used when they put it on anyway. Uh, he's also propo- proposing special rates to build roads. Now, this is an ACT candidate. ACT stands for lower taxes, lower rates, all of those sorts of things, and yet he's wanting special rates out there for to, to provide the things that a council should provide out of existing rates. Yeah, and, and I understand that Phil Goff was using um, him as an example of a, a right-wing local board uh, member that supported the um, the pillow tax, which is just something that an ACT candidate should have reflex been absolutely against, and they probably should have been against AT um, itself. And I, I don't understand why um, you know you'd, you'd hold views and think you're part of ACT if you if you believe in an extra tax to to fund um, promoting Auckland. Well, that's the thing. You and I are fairly consistent on this, Simon, in our in our own personal beliefs. It's subsidies are evil. They're, they're distortion. They distort the market. They uh, they basically socialise costs and maximise private profits, and uh, and we're opposed to that philosophically. It doesn't seem that there's anybody in the ACT Party that is philosophically opposed to that. And a classic example would have been um, the Ruatanifa Dam. I can't recall a single press release from David Seymour on the Ruatanifa Dam, and if there was one, I imagine it would have been some, you know, nuanced um, stance that would have bored everyone to, to death in the two paragraphs. And, and corporate welfare is has just got out of hand under Stephen Joyce, and you know, it, it really should be an easy win for ACT to say that the worst form of welfare is corporate welfare, and we should be taking that money and giving it back to business and tax cuts and letting each business survive on its own merits, not on whether they can bludge money off um, off the taxpayer and some Wellington bureaucrat. Yeah, I've had this argument with some ACT supporters, very wealthy, very wealthy, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars worth these, these people, and talking about business grants and uh, R&D grants and uh, tax, tax incentives and all of this, sort, and they're all for them. I'm sitting there saying, but hang on, you support the ACT Party. Why are you for that? If something's a good idea, business will pay for it. Someone will fund it. But here we have Stephen Joyce out there funding, um, you know, Rocket Labs, for example. I mean, why does New Zealand need to build a space program? Are we going to export it to the North Koreans to fix their problems? It, it just doesn't bear any sort of rational um, explanation to pour tens of millions of dollars into a, into an American-owned company because it is an American-owned company, just happens to have a base here and was started here. And, and I just can't see the logic, and this is what David Seymour could have been railing against every time Steve Joyce makes an announcement of more corporate welfare, he could have been opposing it. Yeah, and and you know that that's one of the probably the most obvious. But I, I also have been exceptionally disappointed in in acts it's use of charter schools or promotion of charter schools, which are an, a, a fantastic idea and are absolutely brilliant. But the, they just get beaten up all the time, and and I think that a lot of it is act haven't gone out and made the case on a consistent basis in language that the average person understands. And it's particularly frustrating because all of us have been to school and all of us know that there's dud teachers and dud schools. And um, we and all know the PPTA and the NZEI protect the dud teachers. 
and you know we we think that it's highly unfair that the really good teachers that we all remember get paid the same as the the useless bastards who used to turn up at five to nine and leave at five past three. Um, and ACT could have made a case um, that that the average person understood that intuitively, and they really could have gone after the the um, teachers union for defending education as an industrial relations issue rather than as a civil right. But just that would have been a, a, a long-term campaign that the public would have really supported ACT on uh, because they have all been to school and they do realise how useless the, the one-size-fits-all and the teachers' union are, but they, they just haven't really got the traction on that. And I... I I've, I've, I think I've worked it out, Simon, why they have. Yeah. It's because John Banks is the one... In the, in the negotiations with John Key, who came up with that idea. Yeah. And the reason why he came up with that idea, even though it wasn't ACT policy at the time, they didn't even have that as a policy, was because of the experience that his son had been through. Yeah. He'd been to King's, an expensive private school, got into a spot of bother there, and, and Banksy wasn't going to have that, so he sent his kid to a military school. Yeah. And he saw the turnaround in him, there and he thought we need to expand this program and that's where the idea came from. So David Seymour's not philosophically aligned with the charter schools, neither is ACT. And so they're not pushing it. In fact, my sources say in the charter school uh, area, and this is across the spectrum because I've got sources who are saying that it's a good idea, but they're not getting the support from the minister that's responsible for that, and they're not getting support for the part from the party that's responsible for that. And I and I think that you are going to start seeing some legal action around uh, how charter schools schools are being implemented and how they're almost being choked to death because there's no commitment from the party that brought those in to actually push those further forward. And I agree with you that this is something that they could, you know, be trumpeting successes on. You know, you can compare a charter school in South Auckland that's less than a kilometre from a state school and compare the results. You know, and and it's just it's just simple, easy politics. And then you just say, why? We've got a waiting list of four hundred people at this charter school, and no one wants to go to that state school. What does that tell you? Yeah, and I think that just gets back to the point that ACT aren't that good at the the at real politics. They just don't get out, you know, put go and win votes by doing simple things well. Well, that's again, um, they need to stop making stupid decisions. National is going to sink and not be as dominant in this election, um, unless, of course, everyone just gives up on Labour and doesn't vote and National ends up with a higher percentage as a result of that rather than actual votes. ACT should be able to make a case that for, for more MPs as National sinks to give them support. I just can't see it happening. No, no, you see ACT promoting that on Facebook, but they don't seem to have a particularly credible slate of candidates, and that gets back to the the original point that we discussed at the beginning, is that just the quality of the people in ACT is the reason that it's going to be very hard for them to rebuild. They, they aren't getting the real intellectual and political giants that they had in the past, um, and it seems unlikely that they will be able to in the future. Well, you know, apart from not making dumb mistakes, they need to concentrate on the, on some three key messages. You know, the things that they used to, that everyone knew that ACT stood for, law and order, 
um, you know, lower taxation, and now they could have, they could put charter schools in there, but they're just not doing it, and so they don't get any cut through. They've got very limited airtime. Every time David Seymour asks a question in Parliament, it's something facetious and silly. Um, his press releases are equally facetious. Um, I just don't think there's any credibility, and it's my view that the project, you know, a, a lofty, relevant, uh, appropriate project for New Zealand politics to have. Is sadly over. Yeah, and you, you just hope that some of the people that were putting the money into ACT start supporting some good, true right-wing free marketeers in both Labour and National, and, and people who stand up in caucus and say, this corporate welfare is evil. We, we spend a lot of time trying to get beneficiaries off welfare. Why don't we stop trying to create corporate beneficiaries? And, you know, that, that is a, a really powerful message but it isn't really being uh, outlined by anyone at the moment. And as far as we know, that there's no one in either Labor or National who's making the, the case to end corporate welfare. But it's something that I'm sure the New Zealand public would be very, very much in favour of. Well, it's the natural thing for ACT to be doing because what was Roger Douglas's uh, major thrust when he came in as as a Labor finance minister, he cut out corporate welfare. He removed uh, subsidies, farm subsidies. Yes, there was a lot of pain and all of those things, but I think we're a whole lot better off now that once all of those things were gone. And, and the removal of regulation was also um, incredibly liberating for New Zealand. Um, you know, we, we went from having carless days to having a, a market that actually moved and it was just a, a sense of freedom when Labor beat Rob Muldoon and Muldoon could no longer have wage and price freezes and we weren't having endless strikes and you had to drive at 80 on the main road because you weren't allowed to burn too much petrol. I mean, the command and control economy under Muldoon was a disaster. Well, and, and that's the thing that, that ACT seems to have forgotten where they've come from. They were the centre-right of wing of the Labour Party. They were actually sensible business people. They knew the value of a dollar. They knew the value of an hour's work. And they applied those sensible ideas to a set of policies. And I bet if you asked a, an activist in the ACT Party right now, what does the name ACT stand for? They couldn't tell you. They wouldn't know what the history of their party was. Yeah, and I think that the other thing that that, that the the right wing of the Labor Party that left to form ACT um, really stood for was was just removal of of government intervention where it wasn't needed, and you know there's, there's now massive government intervention where it isn't needed, and and mainly in the form of excessive regulation. Um, but ACT haven't really made a, a play on getting rid of regulation, which is you know it's it's just easy to to frame a message about regulation because everyone hates it. Well, grandstanding has its place, but unfortunately when you're only one vote, grandstanding's irrelevant in the long run. Mm. It's, it, it is my view um, that that act is finished, that it's done. It may um, you know, get there because the voters of Epsom decide it, but the feedback that I'm getting from people within Epsom is they're sitting there scratching their head wondering why they bother. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that David Seymour will probably win this time, but I don't see them really expanding their party anytime soon. Well, if he wins and uh, National doesn't gets forty five percent or below, 
then it's moot point because David Seymour will be a, a lone voice with no support, no job, and uh, he, he will just cease to be relevant anymore and the people of Epsom will return to national. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so so sure of that, but I think that um, if if I was David Seymour, I'd be spending a whole lot of time working on a, a exceptionally good three-year strategy to rebuild the party and I would be avoiding all kinds of useless media coverage and thinking that you win votes by appearing on TV or on the radio and get the background working and start identifying the right voters to target and then go out and target them. Um, and instead of trying to appeal to 100% of the population, look at, say, 5 or 10% and really target them effectively and efficiently. And, and I've discussed this with Brian Nicole in the past, and he is very good at micro-targeting. He'd be the ideal guy to come in and have advice on that. Immigration is, is another area that's ripe for targeting. But, you know, David Seymour didn't exactly cover himself with glory with the UNSC resolution um, issue, um, you know, with Murray McCulley's betrayal of Israel. And um, he's also hasn't covered himself with glory with the refugee issue. And he's got this classical liberal view that, you know, we should have our arms uh, uh, wide open and welcoming. And then if we're just nice to these people that come here, um, then then they'll learn to to be nice too. And it's it's just just wrong headed and it's never going to work. Yep, and, and it might be classically liberal orthodoxy, but it, it isn't orthodoxy that the New Zealand public are going to change their vote for. Yeah, look, and a lot of these people that are wanting to come to New Zealand um, are coming from societies where um, they see classical liberal values as weakness and they will literally behead you for it. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, not a good look. No. So, I mean, embracing that and welcoming these people into New Zealand, again, it's a natural area for ACT to have made a stand, and they didn't. They went down the classical liberal path, and then therefore they cease to be relevant to conservative voters. And and I believe that most Kiwis are dead set, sent middle of the road. Um, they believe in a fair suck of the sab for everybody. But don't take diabolical liberties because uh, we're, we're not we don't agree with that. Yep, I think that's pretty much spot on. So, your conclusion is ACT able to be saved? Look, I think theoretically they can be saved. I just don't see it happening anytime soon, if at all. And I tend to agree with you on that. Maybe we'll ask David Farrer in a podcast podcast and see what he says, uh, what his numbers are saying about that. Yeah, and, and also he's a bloody good numbers guy with an encyclopedic knowledge of the numbers in the past, so he'll be able to give us some um, some very useful information on um, on precedent to see if there is a precedent for a party like ACT to be able to come back. Well, I think we've pretty much covered what we can cover about ACT. It's a, a sad state of affairs, and um, we'll just move on to some other podcasts and some more interesting topics. So I think we're going to have to cover the debacle of the Labour Party in, in coming uh, episodes. But thank you for coming on, Simon, and um, we'll hit another one next week. 